0: your convenience check out the program via the kelly and rumia podcast subscribe using your favorite podcast platform if you would maybe give us a rating and review while you're in there thanks a lot for some of the wonderful comments made about the program we appreciate your valuable time and no matter how you consume the show it's great for us uh, whether you listen to it in segment form or the full complete kelly and rumia podcast experience There, you can even listen to the Audio Vanity Card when we toss one on the end of the full show. Ramya Muthan back here with me. She's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly MacDonald here at the Home Studio London, Ontario. And... Joining us again on the program, 24 hours after the roundtable, Beth Deer joins us as well as we go over Cut for Time, and we do this once a week on the program. Ladies, I'll get us started with our first discussion Wednesday, as I'm going back to. We spoke with Marcus Koga about how foreign influence operations spread misinformation to Canadians through social media. Here he is explaining how we can protect ourselves.
2: Um, you know, there are a few basic tips uh, that I tell Canadians that they can uh, deploy to sort of protect themselves. One is to check the source of the information that they're receiving. I'm an old school sort of guy. So I pay for a newspaper to be delivered mm. to my my door every morning. I like that sensation of turning the, the pages of the newspaper while I'm drinking my coffee. Um, it costs money. Uh, to do that, and I, you know, I think we all recognize that good information, good media does cost. But um, but when they do see news, you know, make sure that it's coming from a credible source, the so one that you recognize. If it's if it looks like it's coming from uh, somewhere outside, if you don't recognize the source, it's better not to maybe click on it. And if you click on it, um, you know, make sure that you you consume that information with a critical eye, that you're not necessarily, uh, you know, believing it, and certainly not retweeting it.
0: It's amazing when you think about some of the mistakes media, regular mainstream media can make, and they have to do a retraction. But sometimes that's already out there in the ether, and you just don't know what somebody has heard. We are a headlines kind of world where we just see stuff, whether it's on X or or any of the resources, and run with that and as if we have every detail. But we also are so influenced by an opinion of somebody we may appreciate, things they say, whether it's via a podcast podcast whether it's on x or something and they make a statement about something and you start thinking about and say well that's credible we saw a lot of that with the pandemic and how many things made sense and how many people we were heard that are being hushed but how many comments that would come out or comments from the government people who would just say well just do this take the shot no explanation no concerns no ever talking about health conditions or concerns that could happen or what you're to do and so many people were left in the dark wondering and asking questions, or totally just didn't get information. So you can see, as Marcus was telling us, and this was just so riveting for me, um, how easy it is to be misguided. Then you have the people who, whether they intentionally or totally believe what they're saying, but they feel, I have a platform here. And I've always been told, especially as a broadcaster, yeah, but that comes with that comes a, a real responsibility. To be careful of what you're saying. Oh, okay, well, I, I'm not a news show. We get on here, we laugh and <laughs> have our fun. But there's still people hearing something, tuning in and maybe half listening, and they may pick up on something like that. So you do feel the need to be very careful and or or and respectful. Um, never say I know this for sure, unless you really darn well do and are willing to stand by that and going to, mm-hmm. as well as as a broadcaster. I don't just have me to think about someone saying, that guy's just an idiot. I have Rumya, Beth, the team, AMI, uh, the the AMI board, and and everybody else that could be affected by that or is painted with the same brush. But these folks who will say a lot of things online and some of them just to get, you know, Beth, you to say, huh, I follow this guy. He is right because he said, and may sound it or may not even care just wants to see that people are going to argue with them. And I can't relate mm-hmm. to that, but unfortunately, we are in a world where everybody just at the click of a, a computer keyboard can have a platform.
3: Absolutely. And I think on for me personally, when I listened to this segment the other day, um, from more of like a lighthearted kind of angle. I uh, It kind of made me laugh because it made me think about like, how gullible i have been in the past never with anything like serious or whatever but uh, i remember sending uh, like cody my husband an article about the fact that there was a titanic 2 coming out And he's like, he's like and he, he, he actually, like he he actually like he actually sat down and like read it. I just like read the headline and like the first like paragraph was like, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing. Um, but he was like, hey, like this is ridiculous. Like this obviously isn't real.
0: Let's fact check. Yeah. I don't even think anyone's gonna use the name because of what it's associated with. Even if they built an unsinkable ship.
3: But obviously, like. Beth and her like gullibleness got like lucky. Um, Obviously, I for the most part don't have, like, I'll be honest, other than the news I consume from our show, I really don't consume that much news. But there obviously are people who, you know, will look at unreliable sources and can maybe be led astray in more serious situations because of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Ramia, what do you think about this? More people than we realize, Beth. I'm, I'm honestly mm-hmm. telling you, and I'm not saying this to, to sound demeaning, but my mother will send us things, right? Like on uh, our family group chats and such where yeah, immediately, immediately, I know this is fake news. I know this is not real. I know this is just a person's opinion and not factual information. But the, what I go mm-hmm. back to is, the reason why, or at least the way I see it, the reason why is because exactly what people like Marcus pointed out, which is so so many people like of a certain generation before internet was a normal everyday thing and before internet is what it is today, which is everything everywhere all the time and everybody has something to say, um, people didn't have to worry about news being real or fake. Like you get the newspaper, this is established information, it is being delivered to you, it is printed, there are certain kind of check Boxes that were met and so you knew what you were reading was real and it was different from hearing word-of-mouth and if people are uh, Discussing something word of mouth, they are still citing and resourcing that newspaper that this stuff came from So that's what news was it was very easy and simple of a of a formula, mm-hmm. right? You're not sitting around thinking is this news is this not news is this information is this an opinion is this fact? Where Where is this person getting this stuff from whereas now? I could be scrolling on TikTok for two hours, and I have no idea if what I took in was real or not. Um, Somebody's giving me some top 10 psychological tip on something, and I'll I'll listen, I'll take it in, my mind, my brain is unconsciously taking all this stuff in, they've catered the algorithm to give me more material like this. But at the end of the day, am I citing? Am I going through those 700 videos that I just went through in the last 20 minutes and uh, wondering, you know, where the citations are, where this person got their information from? Everyone is able to present something as fact. You know, it like, I'm talking right now, and people are going home with the, the whatever I'm spitting at you, and uh, there's nothing that I've sourced so far, right? Like, it's really— um, almost an extension of branding now. Like if somebody says, I am a blank, uh, that's part of their branding. And we're able to say, or we're going to say, okay, yeah, you know, if you're a nutritionist or if you identify as this or that as your branding, then I should be able to trust you. And that's just not a case. That's not that's not correct in the way we digest information. It's not absolute. It's not properly cited. Um so anyways, I, I go back to, you know, high school and beyond where we were the the, the the professors and, um, you know, our teachers were like, you need to cite your sources. You need to tell me where this is coming from. This is not just your information. Where did this, or your opinion, where did this come from? I wonder if that's just like a bigger global thing we need to say now, because there's too much convoluted material out there and we have no idea where to begin to find out if something is fact or not. Oh yeah, no, I'm next. So true. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's my soapbox. Um, let's go to Thursday's conversation where we spoke to Fern Lellum and she talked about defensiveness and uh, everything around it, really.
3: So defensiveness, basically, you can kind of think of it almost as like your emotional shield, you know? So you're protecting yourself. You very often, if you're being defensive in an argument, you're not accepting any responsibility. You're deflecting that blame onto someone else. So anything that you perceive as criticism, even though it might not be criticism or it might be, you will just say, but what about you did that the other way? You know, you will take that spotlight off of you and put it firmly back onto somebody else. And so what this does in in an argument is that it creates a situation where you're kind of working against each other instead of working constructively together, as we would hope in a healthy communication.
1: Now, of course, you can take this in whatever way you want, but um, I usually take it in personally, right? Like, how am I defensive? How? Well, think back to examples where I've had arguments or conversations where I've been defensive or the person I'm speaking to is defensive. But then when we zoom out a lot... We can think of this in a kind of societal, sociological context as well, right? Like a lot of the conflicts and how we handle things, and there's so many examples we can point to around the world right now, looping back into convos we've had with um, Daniel McLaughlin on Know Your Rights and how government handle things, people of power handle things, how we, you know, discuss conflict on social media around war and, uh, you know, communities that are not doing well. So I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about with Fern um, these days around the emotional well-being and mental health and psychology, it's interesting to break down in our own lives and then see how you can expand and how the conversation gets bigger When we think of it in more broader terms, and how you know our everyday interactions, and how it leads to just systematically how things are being done, and do we promote good or bad uh, a way of handling arguments, way of conflicts, way of debates, even debates and discussions? You know, I go back to Danielle McLaughlin because on one of her Know Your Rights segments, her and her friend. Who was it? Now was it Noah? Uh, one one you know regular guest uh, came on to have a, a a constructive debate on a topic mm-hmm. around the psychologist Jordan Peterson and things that he was going through. And I thought it was so well done this debate as a whole. And thinking like, how can we take this into our own lives? But then there's so much deeply rooted things, Kels, that we don't even think about consciously. And you know that self-reflection is harder than it seems.
0: I think emotion gets so deeply into things that sometimes the people we are debating with, the people we feel this, are almost like they're the closest people to us. But it's almost all of a sudden like they change and they're out to get us. Uh-huh. That's where we kind of go and and almost like, well, how we're do triggered. you know me better, or you know me well enough, or oh God, or maybe we're just in that. They're the people we're most comfortable to get grumpy with, and that gets in the way. Of being logical, emphasizing with, empathizing with yep. them and where they go. I, I think about the disability component with it, and, as we touched on, because I know we get tired and not everybody is meant to be an advocate. Not everybody wants to be interrogated. We have our own privacy and people come up, for well, tell me about your dog. Or how come you don't have a dog? Or can I pet your dog? No. <laughs> and the person who asks you that the third, fifth, sixth time is the one that gets no. Mm. Because, but they're not the same person. Person, right? But the defensiveness is there that I'm being harassed, I'm being bothered. I've already said no, yeah, but no to four other people. We we lose perspective sometimes. Or oh my gosh, you don't have a right to ask me that. Well, I'm a new coworker and I'm just trying to understand. So you start saying, do do I have to put up with that? Do I have to answer these questions from a, a new coworker to to function here? Maybe not. No, you're allowed to your own privacy. However. How far does that go? Do you feel the obligation? Because at at the end of the day, that's a person maybe honestly wanting to understand. But so many of these things happen to us that make it really sometimes hard to contextualize. I really love Fern saying, especially with friends, you know, you're on the same side. No matter if you disagree or not, you're friends, you're on the same side. And I think you
3: both. I think you've both made such good points, especially like where I'm talking about Danielle's conversation. And I think it was Noah. I think you're right. Um, it was, yeah. I remember listening. Yeah. I remember listening to that and being like, God, I just like, can't imagine having that constructive of a conversation with, with anyone. Being on such, and she, um,
0: she would sides. Say she would do it with her boss, Alan too, yeah. that they would All take real opposite and have these yeah. almost full out arguments mm. taking opposite Or you're sides. still
1: actively listening to the other side. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also completely see what Kelly's
3: saying with, especially with people coming up asking to pet your dog, gets really frustrating. But you know, like you just have to be diplomatic. And you have to try and let emotions, you have to try and kind of push them to the side. Um, For my story this week, I'm going to jump back to just a little over 24 hours ago when we heard from Mary Mamalidi about preparing meals during the week, Um, you know, when you're really busy. And she had some really fantastic tips for us. So here she is now telling us a bit about that. Get into the habit of eating at home regularly. It can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. The key meal planning. Right. Forget about complicated calendars, monthly schedules. Toss that out. All you need is to jot down. Right. Just jot down your dinner plans for the week. Right. What makes sense to you? What am I going to have this week? Just jot it down. True. And then, right. And if you can, if you're not preparing on a Sunday or at the beginning of the week, prepare the night before. Get a head start. Either by chopping the re- the vegetables, um, making a salad, slice any anything that you can. Put canned items near the stove if you're going to be using them mm. uh, for your dinner. Right, the less you have to do at dinner time, the smoother it'll go. I loved this segment because it's something with grocery prices that I have been, you know, trying very very consciously to make an effort and mary's segment yesterday reminded me that i had like a bag of onions that had been sat in (laughs) uh my pantry that was like growing legs and i'm listening to mary and she's on about like oh like prep this prep that and i'm like also i need to like save food and all the tips she gave us were so fantastic and i just wanted to like tell everyone that I cut up my onions yesterday and oh, froze them. i proud, <laughs> proud of you. Mary,
1: proud of you. And
3: I also thought about you, Ron, the fact that you bought groceries yesterday. Oh, and God, like, I know. I haven't used any of it. And I'm going to, yeah, well, you need to take a leaf out of Mary's book mm. and find your two staples and, you know, just have a little like cook off with yourself this weekend. Oh, I love you free that. Freeze some of it. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: love it. Use up
0: all of your onion in your chili.
1: I I have some frozen
0: chili that will be taken out. Uh, Beth, awesome. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Glad to have you back with us on Cut for Time. Uh, We will talk to you next week.
3: Sounds fantastic.
0: Beth, Dear, joining us from Edmonton. And, folks, we want you to rejoin us on the other side of the break. We just finished up Cut for Time. You can check out these segments in their entirety by subscribing to our podcast platform. Anyone that uh, you use, just look for Kelly and Rumya. We'll wrap up our show after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hello, I'm Sean Preece.
2: Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find... All your podcasts.